No one ever told me that grief felt so like fear. Those are the words of C.S. Lewis in his book, A Grief Observed. Grief is an unwelcome topic. Grief is the result of loss, and no one wants to face loss. Yet grief is an essential part of a healthy life. And thankfully, grief does not have the last word in the life of the Christian. I want to invite you today to a biblical perspective on grief, the third part in our current series on holy emotions. This is the Valley View Friends Church podcast. I want to welcome you. I'm Pastor Josh. I'm glad to share the next few minutes with you today. I want to encourage you to look us up on the website at valleyviewfriendschurch.org. These podcasts are posted on our church website, so you can find them there, and you can subscribe to always get the next podcast. Now let's turn our attention to this week's message. William Shakespeare writes, Everyone can master a grief, but he that has it. Sophocles says this, Grief teaches the steadiest minds to waver. A little bit of C.S. Lewis again. He writes, In grief... Nothing stays put. C.S. Lewis is trying to tell us that grief is a continual surprise of emotion and a feeling that often makes little sense. One moment you're sad, another angry, then then lonely, then relieved, then maybe you're laughing, followed by more sorrow. It's just a total cycle that does has no rhyme or reason. For the last few weeks, I've been talking about your emotions, holy emotions, because God has given us emotions. He created us to be able to express emotions. They are a holy gift. But unchecked or birthed in sin, our emotions can become an unholy prison. I started by addressing fear. Last week, we talked about anger. Next week, we'll talk about shame. But today, I want to address grief. I must confess, this is the emotion that is perhaps the most important to address, and the one I feel the most inadequate to speak to it is so big. Some of you are going to welcome teaching on grief. You need it. You want it. Others of you are angry that I even mentioned the word because your grief hurts so deeply. Grief is essential to you and me. And yet it is an emotion that many of us, even in our society, we try to hide and bury. No one wants to be touched by grief, but all of us will be. Biblical grief draws you into the presence of God and invites you to depend upon God. Biblical grief opens your eyes to the good gifts of God. Biblical grief does not ask you to forget those you love, but biblical grief does give you a way forward, a way to live, a way to be blessed even after loss. Now, there's great comfort in the Word of God about grief because the Bible is full of grief. It's full of loss. And God has answered grief in His Son, Jesus Christ. I want to read several texts today, and one I'm going to read to simply start us off. A cry for help in the midst of grief comes from Psalm 31, verses 9 and 10. Be merciful to me, Lord. For I am in distress. My eyes grow weak with sorrow, my soul and body with grief. My life is consumed by anguish, my years by groaning. My strength fails because of my affliction, and my bones grow weak. Mm. So I want to start by asking the question or trying to answer the question what is grief? Because so many of us think of grief as sadness, grief as tears, grief as pain, but grief also contains anger, it contains loneliness, 
And yes, it contains laughter and happiness. Grief is the result of loss. That's the key to what grief is. It's loss. And grief is what happens when a hole is opened up in your life and something or someone you cared about is now gone. It's been said that grief is the inside of a glove where love is the outside of a glove. And the process of grief is the turning inside out of that glove. And hopefully, when navigated well, the glove will be turned back around, though it won't ever quite be the same again. This is why I can say everyone will experience grief, because everyone has something or someone that they love. And eventually, they'll lose something. And this is one of the reasons that grief is essential. A person without grief is one who has stripped themselves from love. That's a dangerous place to be. That leaves them as just a hardened shell. But I found that even the hardest among us love someone or something. And grief comes from losing what you love. Grief is uh, most powerful when we lose someone to death. But grief happens when a relationship is broken, when a divorce happens, when children leave the nest. Grief can happen when we lose our health, when you have a limb that's amputated. Grief happens when a job is lost or when a dream has to die. Grief happens when you lose a precious item that was given to you as a child and a deep memory is attached to it and it's gone. Grief happens whenever you lose what you love, whatever that may be. And that's why it can be said that on every page of Scripture, there is grief. Every page of Scripture speaks to grief and answers grief, because the whole Bible is about God's creation veering off course as humanity falls into sin. Scripture is full of universe-wide loss and personal loss. You know, even Jesus makes it clear that grief is essential. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 4, a passage that's a part of what we call the Beatitudes, Jesus says this, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Somehow, grief brings with it comfort and blessing. Jesus himself grieved. He grieved over the death of his friend Lazarus. It's there in John eleven thirty five, shortest verse in the entire Bible. And it's not lost on me that the shortest verse is a verse about grieving. It says Jesus wept. It's not the only place he wept, though. He wept over the city of Jerusalem. In Luke chapter 19, verse 41, it says, As he approached Jerusalem and he saw the city, he wept over it. Jesus even wept in the Garden of Gethsemane. Tears like blood is what it said. Um, but here, let me read Matthew twenty six thirty eight. says, And he said to them, this is Jesus, And he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Other translations will take that word sorrow and they'll put in grief. It's an anguish about what's going to come next. Ultimately, God answers loss through his son, Jesus Christ. By the power of Christ, loss is turned into living hope. 
So we get passages like 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4 that say, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. Jesus has changed the meaning of grief. Now, despite that, it must never be said that grieving is easy, because it's not. Even the Christian who has the promise of the living hope and eternal life must also wrestle with pain and grief. We must face loss, because here on this earth, words like irreversible and unavoidable and unalterable, well, they're still true for here and now. If you want to navigate grief, you must accept two rules about it. Grief is universal, and it's unique. When I say universal, I mean this, everyone will experience it. You cannot keep grief at bay. You cannot shield your children from it. You cannot pretend grief away. You cannot work your way out of grief. There's no quick fix. There's no easy solution. Ignoring grief does not absolve you from it. Eventually, if you hide from grief, your body will tell the toll of grief when you've tried to avoid it. You do not do yourself or those around you any good by ignoring grief or hiding from it. What you must do is process your grief because everyone will experience it. Let it run its course in a healthy way. It's universal. Grief is also unique. Grief may be experienced by everyone in some way, shape, or form, but grief, it's different for everyone. It's not just sorrow. Remember, grief is a response to loss. One commentator described grief as a picture frame, an outline that uh, is a boundary around any number of emotions that you might have when you respond to loss. So, yeah, grief has sorrow in it, but it also has anger and fear and confusion and regret and sometimes relief. For some, grief will be external and intense. For others, it will be internal and intense. I, I have yet to find anybody who has a calm grief. It's intense for all of us. But the point is, no two people grieve the same way. Perhaps you've heard of stages of grief, like denial, then anger, then bargaining, then depression, then you accept. There are steps in grief, but what we found is, is they, no one really follows an order through those steps. You might even revisit a step or skip a step. You might even go in circles through steps for a while. You might be in denial and then frustrated and then denying again and then bargaining and then angry and then (sighs) denial. And maybe finally you accept it without ever feeling depressed. Some will stoically face grief and that's okay. Others will want to speak deeply of memories about the one they lost and that's okay. Some will need months. That's okay. For grief, for some, for grief will take even longer, years. The closer the relationship, the longer it will take. I've read that it can take when you're grieving over a loss of a spouse, it can take four to seven years to start to feel some sort of new normalcy. Ultimately, 
grief can feel and unfold in all kinds of way. And understanding and accepting this, that it's universal, everybody has it, it will, will experience it, and it's unique, everybody's going to grieve in a different way. Understanding and accepting that is vital to helping one another in the midst of grief, to navigating grief on your own. Because we each must face it. We must each also, in the ways that we can, help one another in grief. Because grief is biblical. It's something God gave us. But grief can become something that's unhealthy, and I want to warn you about that. I want to give you another picture of grief here. I think it's a wonderful picture that explains the complexity of grief, whether it's grief over a lost loved one, grief over lost health, grief over a divorce, whatever you have lost, this picture, I think, helps us see it. And I think the more intense the grief, the more clear the picture helps. Picture a spider web. You know, when I say that, I... I, picture a spider web in the early morning hours of the sunlight shining through. I, I picture a big swirling round spider web that, you know, it's got the heavy anchor uh, lines in it. And then the, the, the spider has woven a fine line like radiating around. That's a big circular web with dew drops hanging on it. A beautiful image if you've seen one. What would happen to that spider web if one of its strands is pulled out entirely from the web? All the other threads are touched. They're weakened. They're moved. It's left in tatters. And when we lose someone or something we love, it's like that. A thread pulled from our lives that is woven into all the others. The memory's still there. A hole is left behind. And all the rest of the connections in our life are weakened by the loss. And grief is the process where you go back to the remaining threads and somehow put them back in place. You reconnect them. You reinforce them. You build a new relationship with whatever that thread over there that's left represents. None of them will be quite the way they were before, but they can be renewed and made into something new. Those remaining threads must be reconnected in a new way. And that's why grief is unique for everyone. That's why it's hard for everyone. It's like going back to all the connections and doing something new with them, getting to re-know them now in this different state. So beyond recognizing that grief is universal and unique for everyone, and that grief touches many, if not all, the parts of a person's life, what can you do to face grief well? Well, how does grief become something holy instead of a burden? And I think unbiblical grief will threaten you and threaten those you love. So I want to take just a couple minutes here, give you some tips on the grieving process. First, Give permission to grieve. It is so tempting uh, to hide from grief. We think if we hide, we don't have to face it. Pretend the loss didn't actually happen. If no one brings it up, then it's like it never happened. It's also tempting to try to steamroll through grief. If I just get this over with real quickly, I can get through the pain and that'll be that. Let me tell you, any grief that is unfaced 
will only come back later, and he usually will bring guilt with it. Give yourself permission to grieve, however you find yourself going through the process, and give others permission to grieve. Remember, it's unique. It does not have to be like others in their grief. It's you coming to terms with loss, and your loved ones coming to terms with loss, whatever that loss may be. A second tip. Don't try to order grief around. It's understandable to see grief as a problem that needs dealt with. Hey, we got to fix this. And that's the thing. It's one of the strongest human responses is to fix it, to solve it, to control it. But here's the thing about loss, especially death. Death shows us that we are not in control. You can't control this. can't fix this. It's, It's done. It happened. You can't solve it. So we need to learn to sit in grief. And learning to sit in grief is an exercise for the Christian to cry out in whatever way you can, to, to speak out to God and to reach up for the hand of God. This goes for the griever as, those, as well as those walking with them. Be a companion, not a fixer. A third tip for facing grief is to well, come to terms with your emotions. And what I mean by that is often people will experience guilt over the emotions they feel. They're frustrated they cannot cry, or they're frustrated because they cry too easily. Uh, caregivers can often feel a lot of guilt over their emotions. If a caregiver can feel relief, and then they feel terrible that they're relieved. Laughter. I've known a lot of people who, in the middle of their grief, go through a period of laughter. And they go, well, that shouldn't happen. I shouldn't be doing that. There's something wrong with me. There's all kinds of emotions that we feel like are out of place in grief, but none of them are because it's our reaction to loss. The point is that you come to terms with the range of emotions that fit into grief and say, yeah, it's okay. It's also okay to not know how to feel. In grief, your emotions can turn on a dime. So feel your emotions. But beware that you don't live in your emotions. For those of you walking alongside those who are grieving, whatever, if it's a a loss of someone they love, or even that they can get a job they were hoping for, or they their career suddenly ended, or there's a divorce, or there's a failing in their health, whatever it is that they're grieving, I have a simple list of words that I think can help you on what to do and how to act when you come alongside a person who's grieving. It's a very simple list of words. It's going to go quickly. It says, grief requires flexibility, permission, compassion, patience, and protection. And I find protection is especially needed from well-meaning fixers. Platitudes are not needed in the middle of grief. Grief is such a deep emotion, we seldom know what to say into its void. It, it just presents us with an endless expanse. How do we get through this? And It's best in that moment when you don't know what to say to just say nothing. Be a friend. Be near, be kind, be a refuge, be an oasis, be a person who will pray, who will be a part of the family of faith and bear the burden. 
Perhaps the best tip I can give anyone in handling grief is that you speak honestly and frankly with those that you love about loss and death. Here's what I mean is this is a uh, a step that you do ahead of time to prepare. We're a culture that doesn't like to talk about death or loss. Now is the time to learn together about what it is that's so sweet about your relationship. Now is the time to resolve conflicts if there's disagreement between one another. Now is the time to tell truth and clear up misconceptions, to tell you, tell one another that you love each other. Now is the time to talk about what it'll look like someday when there's loss, a passing. The talking you do now will help with the grief that will come later. Now, I say this knowing that for many of us, this isn't possible to do. So do it with who you can. Speak about loss with a loved one. Speaking about loss with a loved one is far better to do now than letting them navigate that pain when you're gone and when you're unable to help. Just mention here a couple of uh, red flags to look out for in grief, because grief can go bad. Many of us can get stuck in our grief. Perhaps you are stuck or you know someone who is. Uh, If a person's truly stuck in grief, there's a counseling term that's used to describe that, and it just simply is this. Their grief has become complicated. It's going to take some extra sorting out. There's going to be some help that's needed. And so I want to say for those of you who might feel stuck in your grief, There's no shame in seeking some help, someone you trust, and preferably a counselor. A counselor can give um, some extra help, some tools and insights to help you healthily navigate grief. It doesn't have to be counseling forever, but counseling for a time to get unstuck. But there are some red flags to look for in grief, and uh, a couple of them are these. If you see someone, uh, let's talk about someone you might see in grieving. So if you see someone who's bathing in their feelings, they just, they're always living in that emotion, feasting on it deeply and sorrowfully, they're stuck in it. If it's a grief without end, or at least it has no way forward. For a lot of people who lose someone very close to themselves, it can take a year or two years um, before they start moving forward. Beyond that, it starts to be a red flag. Uh, Not saying the grief is complete then, but there needs to be some steps forward after a year or two years. If a person is grieving and they seem like they are in bondage to who or what they lost, that's something to be aware of and get some help. If someone's grieving and they refuse to speak of a loved one in the past tense, they always speak of them as right now, they're still here. That needs to be addressed. If they grieve without hope, that's a big red flag. Now, many will grieve without hope. Many will be consumed by grief. The Christian is not to be alone in their grief. The Christian has the living hope of Jesus Christ to walk with them in grief. 
A few more scriptures here. 1 Thessalonians 4.13 says this, Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. We're to grieve differently as Christians. We are to grieve, but differently. Eventually, you're going to find a way forward. I actually like how John Steinbeck writes it. And uh, I think there's something about it because grief is a long journey. It says, after seeming cut off and alone, you'll be able to pick up a thread and then draw a string and then a rope leading back to life again. Hebrews chapter 2 verses 14 and 15 tell us this, Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. Grief is still a part of our lives right now, but we always have hope because of the one who loves us has overcome death, and loss, and set us free. As we close, I want to direct your attention uh, to a passage of Scripture. And depending on your Bible translation, the word may not be very clear to you in it. It's found in 1 Corinthians 16.22, almost at the very end of the book of 1 Corinthians. You might see it in English, and you'll see this phrase there at the end of the verse. It says, Come, Lord. I like the message version, which tries to say, hey, there's something special going on with this phrase. It's The message says, make room for the master. I like that. It has some expectancy in it. The New American Standard Bible doesn't translate the word. It just gives it to us in its form. Maranatha. That's an important word. Maranatha. It's an Aramaic word. And there in 1 Corinthians, it's Aramaic written with Greek letters. It's the only place that shows up in the New Testament, and that's the only place in the Bible for that matter. The first Christians grabbed onto this word and used it as a declaration in their worship, but even more, they made it a single word prayer, Maranatha. And by praying this, they expressed the idea, come Lord Jesus, make this broken world whole again. It was a one word prayer. Maranatha, that proclaimed that things are not the way they should be. We're grieving this. And as Christians, we look forward to the hope that Jesus will make all things new. It's not going to be like this forever. Eventually, there will be no place for grief. And so you have a passage like 1 Corinthians 15, verses 52 through 55. You can read these words in victory and cry out at the end, Maranatha. It says this in verse 52, In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, the the mortal with immortality. And when the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, and the mortal with with immortality, then then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? I think you know that death has a sting right now. But it is defeated in Christ. And we cry out, Maranatha, knowing that someday there will be no more sting of death anymore, anywhere. Grief is a holy emotion. And holy grief will remind us of the good gifts of God and our deep need for Jesus. Let's pray.
God, I will not ask you today to make our grief easy. I will not ask you to hide our grief away. I ask that you will make our grief healthy and full of the living hope of Jesus. Let grief show us what is good and worth loving. Let our grief show us the need for Jesus to make all things new and set everything right. Let us be a people who look forward to your good promises and proclaim, Maranatha, come Lord. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Go with Jesus.